following message is from a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. Good morning, ICC. How are you? Can I just tell you what a, ple a pleasure and privilege it has been this morning to be with you all. And I have to start off with an announcement. So I start off with an announcement. You know, when someone comes to you and you're like, okay, I've got good news and not so good news. What do you want first? What do you all say? <laughs> someone said bad news. I didn't say bad news. I said not so good. But I would say this. Um, this morning, let me just quickly introduce myself. Eugen, been here since uh, 2009. <clears throat> and I was on staff from 2011 to about 2020. And what you see up here is my family. Uh, my wife, Cynthia, we've been married, I believe it's 17 years. She will have to fact check that. And then Josiah, my oldest, he's a freshman at Schaumburg High School. Timothy, seventh grade. Matthias, fifth grade. Benjamin, second grade. And Samuel in pre-K four. I feel like I'm right, right there. He's only got half day, so once full day comes around, free at last, free at last. So I wanted to just mention this here is that uh, my family and I, we will be transitioning to Harvest Community Church. And I know for some of us that may be news to you, for some of you, maybe not. But we have been living in the Schaumburg area since 2014. And in that time, we, we really became so connected with the community, uh, not only with our neighbors, but also through sports programs. And if you've ever done sports with families, you begin to see them more than you see anybody else. And so we've gotten so close and we just have felt this pull and this longing to be at a church that's like right in our neighborhood. And Harvest Community Church is about seven minutes away from us. And so we are taking that step of faith. And I want you to know that Ultimately, this, isn't, this was not a flippant choice like, you know what, I just, I just want to be close to home. Like, I just want the convenience of it all. Um, and, and so I don't want anyone thinking like, well, I guess it's just out of convenience. But truthfully, we do desire to minister to our neighbors and invite them to a place that's just so close to us. But today, I want you to know this message is definitely not about me. Amen. You do not come here to just hear about me and my family, but today we're really going to be hearing about the love of God and how we minister to one another and how really, in all honesty, my family and I, we've been ministered by you and really experienced the love of God through you. And so I wanted to do something that Steve definitely doesn't do. Probably Peter doesn't do, but this is something in my job I, I facilitate all the time. And in facilitation, typically you want people to talk to one another or else they're just staring at you the entire time. And so this morning, I'm going to be so bold and invite you to answer this question. Share about a memorable experience when you felt loved by your church family. Take a minute to think about that. Think about a memorable experience when you felt loved by your church family family. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to people around you. You may not know them. That's okay. Introduce yourself. Say, hi, my name is, I don't know many of you, and I'm up here. So please introduce yourself and share briefly, how did you experience this from your church family? It could be from ICC. It could have been from a former church. But we'd love for you just to take a few minutes to share that with one another and just call that to mind. You good? People on YouTube are like, oh, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Call somebody, all right? So I'm going to give you about three minutes to talk to your neighbor. 
I know some people are like, wait, I have to talk to someone at church today? Yes, welcome. Pastor Steve's not preaching today, I am. All right, so go ahead, take up three minutes and talk to your neighbor and share about a memorable experience when you felt the love from a church family. All right, time, let's come back together. So grateful for the body of Christ to minister in this way. I heard a lot of chatter out there, and that means that you've had this memorable experience, really the love of God through that church family, and we're so, so grateful. And for the beginning part of this message, I'm just going to brag on ICC just a little bit. Is that okay? You all right with that? So we're going to take a walk down memory lane. This is me back in uh, 2000, I think this is 2005. Cynthia and I just got married. And if you don't know, I spent 10 years in Albany Park uh, doing urban ministry. And uh, these are some of the kids that I had a lot of relationships with during that time. And so moving into the, the city and living there when we first got married from 2005 to 2010, uh, 2014, we, we lived in Chicago and it was just so new to me. I was a single guy when I first started doing ministry in the city. And when you're single, you just have unlimited time, energy, seemingly money, but that was not smart. And so I, I just did all of it, poured myself out and I loved it. When I got married, I just assumed you just keep doing the same thing. And so I kept going at this rapid pace, and then we had a child. And then when you have a child, I still thought, well, I just keep going, right? Like, I just keep going and going and going. And guess what? In ministry, people loved me. Like, when I showed up, they were really happy to see me. But when I got home, are there any married people here? <laughs> you feel me? When that door closed, it was a whole different world. And I know I say in jest now, but man, in 2009, it was rough. People, I loved ministry. And the way I look at it back then was ministry was my mistress. I went to it for everything. And when I came home, I had nothing left. And I just assumed this is how people did it, right? And, and the reality was is that my marriage was falling apart. And I had to make a decision. Either I continue on doing great ministry that people loved me at and be divorced or really take a step of faith and to step away and to focus on my family and my marriage. And family here, can I just tell you, that was one of the hardest things for me to do. And so I showed up to this place. Does anyone know what this is? This is Adolph Link on Beasterfield Road in Elk Grove Village. I drove from Albany Park, Chicago, all the way out here. And the first day I did it was on September 6, 2009. And do you know what happened to me? I cried. <laughs> what in the world am I doing here? In 2009 is when Steve and Betty just came on staff, and I had come out there just broken. And for the first two Sundays, just really, really broken in those moments and not knowing what to do and really just challenged by it. And we had a, our oldest, and Cynthia was pregnant with our second child. And at this time, we had a small group we were attending, and they ministered to us. They didn't ask me to show up at the front. They didn't expect me to be Pastor Eugen or do some kind of special trick or be funny. But we were really able to share our brokenness and be vulnerable. And that was so incredible to us. It was the first time in our life that we actually got ministered to rather than ministering. And how healing that time was. And I remember during that time, I was so young as a pastor, and Steve took a few guys under his wing. We had an, a little internship, or not internship, but just 
young pastors that need some teaching, and he met up with us, and he poured into us. We read books called The Making of a Leader by Robert Clinton, and I remember driving out on a Friday evening and getting together with these guys and studying this and just how loved I felt and how I appreciated just Steve pouring into me. And so during this time, there's so much healing for Cynthia and I. Now, I was joking with somebody. When we first got here in 2009, we were a hot mess. They're like, do, do you ever get out of that? I'm like, it gets a little bit better. <laughs> and we're just in process, a work in process. But in 2011, I became ICC's first youth pastor. And guess what? We were busting at the seams with seven kids. <laughs> Three families. And when two families went on vacation, there were just two other kids. It was just me. <laughs> and I loved it. And they actually had to deal with me, too, because I came straight out of the hood, and I used a lot of hood slang. And they're like, are you speaking English? Like, what are you talking about? But I, I really loved this group, and it was such a great transition for me to move back into ministry in a slow, steady way. And no surprise, all of them were introverts. And they were blessed with me, a very enthusiastic, extroverted person. It was a tough crowd on Sundays, but so grateful for these folks. And we had a killer name. It was so original. It was called ICCYG. <laughs> but what was so beautiful is that when I came out to staff, now this is a picture from 2018, but it shows some of the original staff. Aram Laguna, you heard him at the retreat um, Sarah, his wife, and also Pastor Reggie and Anissa are there, Steve and Betty. Andy and Rochella have always been uh, serving as elders and serving in ICC. And this, I wanted to share this picture because this was such sweet, sweet partnership in the gospel. They ministered to me so much. And I'm eternally grateful for getting onto a team like that and working alongside people that were so like-minded for the kingdom. I will honestly say Steve has never come with a graph or a stat sheet or a metric saying we need to grow, 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 grow. But in seminary, that's all I heard. People are like, we need to double in size, get these church plants going. And for Steve, he just wanted the heart. And I so appreciate that about my brother. And even to this day, just so steadfast in that way. And so as the youth group began to grow, we went from 7 to 10. I was growing this youth ministry, leaps and bounds. And this is actually at Pastor Peter's old home in Huntley, the Cho Compound. If you, didn't, if you missed out on it, it was a beautiful place, and he let us have a lock-in there. And it was just wonderful. The, the teens were growing, and we needed to create an identity. And we took a vote, and this is what won out, Catalyst. A kid drew this on their iPads. Like, Can this be our logo? I'm like, for sure, let's do it. We created some T-shirts and just the love in this group. Like, this is our identity. We're Catalyst. And just to let you know, ICCYG lost by one vote. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward to 2017. We had our first missions trip to Tuba City. Tuba City sounds like a water park, doesn't it? For this entire time, I was like, we got to go to Tuba City. I'm like, I'm down for water park. <laughs> like, no, there's a missions trip in Arizona. There's like no water there. I was like, wait, what? What are we doing? And we got a chance to take out our first youth group on a plane to Arizona in over 100 degree heat. And it was such a wonderful experience growing and bonding together. 
you may see some faces there you recognize and may not recognize, but I will say Tim Cho and Ryan, they're in that photo. They were some young bucks. And uh, now you wouldn't recognize it. Their hair is so long and they're like way taller. And I think they've been working out. They look way muscular. And so that's Pastor Chris pivoting into the youth ministry and taking the lead there. And I was so grateful because at that time I realized our youth group needed so much more. And Chris was definitely that person to take the lead. And I made my pivot into um, the adult ministry. And these are our first deacons. We see Greg, Betty, Juno, and John. And I just got to say, this picture is from 2018. We still look good, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're aging beautifully. But I'm so grateful for their service and so grateful for their heart of service. They've been on a two-year commitment for six years, I think. And they just <laughs> so faithful and so good. But I will say that it was great feeling the love of God from these deacons. Like, when I began to take over Sunday ministries, for those that have never served in the background, I just want to let you know these services take the love of God's people to pour and prepare. And what you're experiencing, for you to come in and just to be able to worship and encounter God, that is the greatest prayer from all these folks. And so you're feeling that today as you come in and are able to worship God from the worship team and hear the message and your children are being ministered to and your teenagers are being ministered to, that that is an active participation in God's love and so grateful for these deacons. And so in 2019, uh, and I'll rewind a little bit, in 2017, my wife and I, we really sense God pulling us in this direction of adoption. Now, if you don't know, at that time I had four boys. Four. Boys. Four. And when Cynthia came to me and said, I think God's calling us to adoption, I'm like, we got four boys. I'm tired. Like, what? Nah. I don't sense God calling us in that direction. <laughs> Those God cards are good when you're a pastor. And so I went on this business trip, was alone, and really opened my heart to God and just said, God, what do you want? And he, he really broke my heart. My biggest fear is like, how are we going to pay for this thing? This is insane. He said, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I remember coming home from that business trip and I said, honey, I think God's calling us to adopt. She's like, I'm not ready. You've been gone for a week. I've had four boys with me. And it was a walk of faith. And the ICC family has surrounded us in prayer, love, and support. The countless number of meals, the financial donations, the prayers. I mean, y'all, we felt your love. And we are so, so grateful for you in that. We still remember it to this day. And in 2019, uh, right before Thanksgiving, we brought Samuel home. And we were able to celebrate our first Christmas here at ICC. And that's Samuel there. Cynthia's holding him. And you will see him today. He, he is in the nursery. He has not graduated out of the nursery yet. He just loves that room. <laughs> so, and I think because I used to be on staff, no one's like, dude, seriously? Like, no one said that to me. They're like, okay, just go ahead, do your thing. So I appreciate that. <laughs> and I want to share, hold on one second. I think I'm missing a slide here. But there was a picture I wanted to share. And it was a picture of Pastor Steve and my son Matthias. Now, if you don't know Steve, he loves animals. Did, did you all know that? If some of you didn't know that, he loves animals. Like, 
every time I walk in his office, there's either a bird, lizard. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not an animal person, so I'm like, you do you, I'm going to go make copies. And there was this one day where I came in and I, my son Matthias was with me and he saw this lizard. Do you remember the lizard you had? And my son just freaked. He's like, whoa, can I hold him? And, you know, on a Sunday morning before a sermon, that's like crunch time for a pastor. But in all kindness and humility, he like took out the lizard. He let my son hold the lizard. And I had a picture of it and just the joy on Steve's face that someone was enjoying his lizard. And I am taking the photo in shock and frightened. But I will say that this is the part that y'all don't get to see. In this picture that I was going to show, Steve is not the preacher. He's not a pastor. He's not even the expert, which typically he is. But he was just Steve. And I so appreciate that about him. And I had a picture of Kim holding Samuel when he first got here to ICC. And this was the kind of love that people actively showed us. We felt the love of God in this place. In 2020, um, anyone have a bad year in 2020? Anybody? <laughs> I know for me, 2020 was pretty brutal. Uh, my mom passed away. And it was very sudden and unexpected. And because it was COVID, all the restrictions were in place. It was really, really tough to see people. But do you think ICC held back? Just what do you think? No way. We felt their love, their prayers, the messages, the texts, the food, the, the people showing up. I had one person show up. I'm not going to name them. But they just felt so inclined to be there. They showed up unannounced. And anyone wear house clothes here? You know the clothes that you don't go in public with? You just wear around the, the house, sorry. Just use some urban slang. Around the house. And this person shows up and I walk out in my house clothes before I realize this person's from church. <laughs> Thankfully, there's nothing recorded. But they came because they loved me. They loved my family and understood what we were going through. And they brought huge bags of Korean food and just said, we just wanted to be here to love you. And we didn't forget that. And we also had someone... One day, also show up, I had better clothes on, but they showed up, and it was my father's 70th birthday. I didn't ask them to do this, but they came to show love to our family during this difficult time. They put out all the hat. I don't even do this for my own children, let alone my father. <laughs> and this person just showed such amazing love. And in these active moments of love, I really felt the love of God. Amen. And that is what we have the opportunity to do here, together. And so this morning, we're going to get into that. But I want to read this verse, this uh, quote from Mother Teresa. Don't try to do great things for God. Do small things with great love. Don't try to do great things for God, but do small things with great love. And in these past 13 years, we have felt those small acts of love over and over and over again. And we want to say as a family, we love you. This is not a goodbye sermon. This is a sermon to talk about the love we have for one another and that we will continue on in that. And so we're going to get right into it. Y'all ready for a sermon now? <laughs> Let me pray for us, all right? Jesus, thank you for this body. Thank you so much for how it has ministered to me 
and how we've ministered to one another in deep love because of the love you have shown us. You modeled the way. You showed us what true love is. It wasn't when we were good enough or we curried enough favor or we were nice enough. But before we even knew you, you died on a cross to forgive our sins and to reconcile us to you. Jesus, I pray that you would be the focus of today and that we would be your ministers to one another and that the world would know that you truly are the God of love when they come here and see how we love one another. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. We're going to read from John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I want to summarize it in this sentence here by following Jesus' example of his love for us and actively demonstrating that to one another, others will recognize the true love of God. That when they come in this place and they see how we love one another, that they would say truly this is God's love in this house. We're not drawn together because we're the same ethnicity or we're the same community or we like the same clothes or the same television shows, but truly because of what Christ has done for each and every one of us, that is what compels us to be together and to love one another. So is this really new? Is this a new commandment? This may or may not be new. Well, why is this new? Jesus says that in the first words, a new commandment I give to you. And so this is where it stems from. Leviticus 19.18, and this is in the Mosaic Law. And it says this, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And who is the standard in this verse? as you love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, how you care for yourself, how you groom yourself, how you feed yourself. You, were, you are at the center of this verse to love your neighbor in that way. And God had promised to empower his people to love by changing their hearts and mind. But Jesus changes it up. He brings in this new covenant this new command, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. This is the new standard. You're not looking at yourself, looking in the mirror, how I love myself, that's how I should love my neighbor, but now looking at the cross, looking at what he has done for you and for me. That this is the standard. As he has loved us, that we lo should love one another. And, and this is the thing. It's one thing for someone to tell you, but it's another thing for someone to show you, right? You ever have someone teach you something and they just use all the words? Like, okay, first you're going to do this, and then you're going to do that, and then step three, you go here. And by step five, you're like, what was step one? But then you go to YouTube, Anyone go to YouTube for stuff like that? And you're like, how do I fix my car battery? 
I don't want to pay a mechanic. And you press play and you watch someone do it. You're like, man, if that guy could do it, I could definitely do it. And that's actually what Jesus does for us in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, during the supper, Jesus rises from the table. This is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He rises from the table. He takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, and pours water into a basin and begins washing the disciples' feet. Anyone heard of this story before? And when we hear it, we're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I've heard this before. But I want to put it this way. Does anyone work at a company that has a CEO? Anybody? And one day the CEO comes in and says, look, I'm just going to wash your feet, man. What? Immediately get to HR like, this guy's about to wash my feet. That's so inappropriate. (laughs) And the shock is that why would the CEO of a company wash my feet? I mean, he's so, he or she is so elevated, like they got way better things to do. Why would they do something like that to me? And you have to understand, Jesus, he's higher than a CEO, amen? All right, well, hold up. Let's, can we try that again? <laughs> he's higher than a CEO, amen? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, humbles himself in such a way to wash his disciples' feet. He didn't give them a heads up, like, hey, by the way, like a middle supper, I'm going to put on a towel. And There's no heads up. He didn't ask for permission. He just did what Jesus does. He just got up and started doing it. Now, I want you to know, these folks had some funky feet. Okay? This is probably just a a foreshadow of what it was really like back in the day. Because back in the day, it was all open-toed sandal. It was hot, sweaty. If I asked anyone to take off their shoe right now, you're probably not wearing open-toed sandals, but probably funky. Okay, and these, this is the condition of the feet of the disciples. And one important factor is this. There were animals everywhere. Do you know what animals normally do? Yes. It's what those dog owners do when they don't pick up after their dog. You got all that stuff around. And does anyone ever accidentally step in that? Oh, yes. And then they start doing this like, oh, man, like, oh, well. And just keep walking. And so traditionally, when you entered into somebody's home, there was the lowest servant, the lowest of low servant to wash people's feet. And this day just happened to be nobody there. And so what do people do? Just walk right in with funky feet. Can you imagine them walking into your house with funky feet? Would you be good with that? And this is what the disciples are doing because for them, I ain't touching Peter's feet. Mm-mm. Did you see what he stepped in today? Did you see what Judas did today? Mm-mm. No, there's no way. And then on top of that, in this room, there's some difficult relationships. Anyone have a relationship that's a bit tense? You could cut it with a knife. Well, think about Jesus coming into this room. There's this guy, Judas. He knows he's about to sell him out. And he does not stop to say, okay, I'm going to do John, Matthew, skip Judas. I'm going to go to the next. He goes right down the line. And then his boy Peter. This is his guy. 
I resonate with Peter. Peter's that kind of person that speaks first, thinks last. I feel like, Peter, me and you got to hang out. That's, that's really how I operate too. And he also, in this moment, Jesus knows this person is going to deny me three times. And in this tension, Jesus does not stop. He does not take a second thought to it. But as we sang in that song, in humility, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, does the job of the lowest servant. And people are offended. I mean, Peter says, you can't wash my feet, not mine. I mean, look at my feet. No. And Jesus lets him know, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And in this time, Jesus is he's modeling the way. You're watching a YouTube video of what Jesus is doing. He's showing his disciples Ain't nothing too low. There is no tension or disagreement too hard to humble yourself and to demonstrate this. And so Jesus goes on to say this in John 13. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another, one another's feet. Is there any confusion in that statement? He's making it crystal clear, and he says this, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He's modeling the way. He's showing us from 2,000 years ago, this is how you love. It's not when it's convenient or you're all good, but even when it's not. In humility, because of what Christ has done for us, that we could actively demonstrate the love of God to one another. And how do I even know this? Does Jesus even tell us something like this? In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, this is one of my favorite verses. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. That means you can be a hot mess. And still come to Christ. Amen? All right, let's try that one more time, okay? Any, any hot messages? Amen? We don't have to have it all together, y'all. It doesn't mean that we can just do whatever we want. <laughs> oh, it's okay, it's all good. But that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. He demonstrates his own love for us that when you could not do enough, earn enough, he died for you. He died for me. And with that act of love, that means look at your neighbor. I can love you. I can love you. You turn around and say, I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that is so true. And it's not because we have the fortitude or the ability, but we look at the cross and what he's done and say, Jesus, help me through this. Amen. Help me through this. 
I miss this, man. I'll be honest. I was super bummed. I was out of town for a work event, and I missed this incredible retreat, and I found this photo. It's so big, you can barely see the faces. I think every year, typically Steve would find that one person with sort of like a funny, goofy face, like, oh, I saw you. But on this one, there's so many faces. I'm like, you have to zoom in and be like, where is everybody? But I love retreat photos, and I love those times of being together. And our church is growing. ICC is growing. And this is the question I wanted to ask. What holds us back? What holds us back from actively loving one another? Sometimes it could be, well, I just don't know them. Or we may have some assumptions about somebody else. And again, looking to that cross, what has he done for me? How can I actively demonstrate this love to others? I want to do something that Steve never does. I'm so grateful I can do this. But I would like you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got funky feet. Go ahead. <laughs> neighbor, you got funky feet. Everyone's looking at me like I'm joking. No, for real. Go ahead. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you got funky feet. And now tell both neighbors, my feet are good. <laughs> but actually, isn't that how we treat it? Oh, you've got funky feet and you've got funky feet, but me, my feet are very clean. I'm very meticulous about it. And I say this in all jest, but also in earnestness, that that is oftentimes what divides us. We forget, don't we? We forget, I've got funky feet. And this didn't stop Jesus from loving each of his disciples and washing their feet. And he demonstrated this love so actively. I want to share this quote from Henry Nouwen. And let me just share this quote here. It says this, In order to be of service to others, we have to die to them. That is, we have to give up measuring our meaning and value with the yardstick of others. To die to our neighbors means to stop judging them to stop evaluating them, and thus to become free to be compassionate. Compassion can never coexist with judgment because judgment creates the distance, the distinction which prevents us from really being with the other. What Nowen is saying is that in order to love others, we must die to their opinions and what they think of us. And what separates us. To die to others, he says, it means that we got to stop judging and evaluating, making some assumptions. But to be free to love and demonstrate compassion and actively love on somebody else. Not because they've earned it. Not because we have something in common. But because of what Christ has done for me, I want to do for you. There were definitely people during my time at ICC, I did not know, and they actively loved me, actively prayed for me, and they cared for me. And as Christ has shown us, that is what we do to one another. And I want you to know, I'm not pleading with anyone to say, all right, I just need to go do this thing. I need to just go love this person. But really asking, Jesus, help me. 
I don't have the power within me to do this. Give me the humility. Give me the heart of forgiveness. Give me the passion and love for this person that honestly I have a tough time with and how I can actively love them. He modeled the way by putting on this towel and humbling himself to wash that funky feet. And the reality is that we each have that funk together in this room, and we've all stepped into something. Amen? Amen? We all got that. And at the same time, we can still, doing small things with great love, truly experience the love of God together. And this is the result, which is so beautiful. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That people could enter into this room never having met any of you, but watching how you interact and love one another and say the love of God truly is in this place. And that we each can say in a testimony, I really felt the love of God when my small group or when my pastor or when this church member came out of love for me. Amen. I just want you to know that the love of God is present here. And I wanted to share just some final words before I close in prayer. Um, this is not a goodbye message. We won't see each other every Sunday. But just know that not only have we felt your love, but we want to continue to love in partnership. We want to continue to love on ICC. Uh, to my partners in the gospel, Jane Ma, Kim Cho, Chris Kim, Carol Lee, Lester Cruzat, Peter Cho, and Steve Lee. I have had such a tremendous privilege serving with you. I, I can honestly say I love each and every one of you. Thank you. I had one last chance to go to a staff meeting this past week, and just the joy of being in that room together, and it's not work-related, which is great. On Sundays, they're working. That's why I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> but a staff meeting is a time where we can let loose and be together, and just the joy in that fellowship. And they have demonstrated actively to me the love of God. And so my charge, ICC, to you is Christ has demonstrated for us. He's modeled the way. Let us continue to love one another. Amen? Let me pray for us. Amen.